Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? It's Matt Johnson back with another episode. We've got a phenomenal guest here with us today, Alex Berman of Experiment27.com. And a phenomenal company, very, very interesting model. Essentially, what Alex and his team does is help generate leads for other agencies. So they're like an agent, a marketing agency to other agencies, which is a really cool niche idea. And uh, and he's doing it in a very specific way. They do a lot of cold outbound email as well as some other things. But that's really the, the thing that caught my eye. And uh, one of the things that we talked about on the conversation is the success. Some the, the keys to success using cold outbound email. Of course, in, in our agency, that's what we do for clients in terms of getting guests onto their podcasts. I've done it for my podcast. Uh, we've done it in terms of pitching guests on other podcasts. Um, but Alex does it at a different level, which is helping agencies go after Fortune 500 and 1000 companies uh, using case studies and using cold email to send to really laser target ideal uh, client profiles based off of work that you've already done for other clients and leveraging that and essentially picking a niche, uh, like a micro niche and going super deep on that and using the one uh, success story or case study that you have with a successful client to leverage that off into more successful clients in that micro niche, which I think is a phenomenal idea for, for anyone. Anyone in professional services can use that same strategy. And so we talk about what they do for cold email. We talk about some of the growing pains of growing the agency, which applies to any professional service business, uh, including one of the things that really caught my eye was what they're doing right now with putting a, a, a layer of essentially account management in between the clients and the people who are doing the work for the clients to make sure that that, that, that layer uh, kind of protects the people who are doing the lead generation and marketing work for the clients from having to be pulled off of their tasks to talk to the clients and keep them patient for the results that they're, they're going to expect, which is something that we all deal with out here in the wild world of, you know, selling our expertise is there's usually a gap in time between when we start work and when the client starts to see the results. As we talk about how they're building in that layer of account management and good practices to keep the client engaged and interested and focused and happy with the work that's being done while you're in the experimentation phase of finding the thing that produces the best results for them, which we all deal with. And finally, we also talk about how Alex has built the team around him to limit himself to the things that he really does best and is most excited and enjoys doing the most, which for him is content creation and uh, visibility. Uh, Specifically, he does it through things like YouTube videos. So we talk about some of the other roles on the team that free him up to do that, which I think a lot of us would love to have that. I'm very fortunate to have a killer uh, director of operations on my team that frees me up to do more of the things that I enjoy doing. So I'm in that fortunate position. Uh, And anyone that's listening that isn't there yet, you're essentially just one key hire away from being in that same position. So we talk about that with Alex. So uh, with that being said, I hope you enjoy it. This is a super fun conversation. Alex has his own podcast uh, that you should go check out. We talk about that during the show. Uh, So make sure to, to listen to the whole thing. Alex is a phenomenal guest and hope you enjoy the conversation. So let's dive right in. When people ask you what you do, because I, I have an interesting, you know, the impression that I get of what you do, and, and it's very interesting to me from my world, but what do you tell people what you do? So recently I've been telling people I'm a producer because uh, we're, really? the main thing that I'm working on is indie films. 
that's been like hmm. probably 30 or 40% of my week. And then the rest is X27, which is generating leads for digital agencies. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you about because it's really interesting. You're essentially marketing for marketers, uh, mm-hmm. which you think they'd be good at it. Although if you're a web designer, IT agency, that's a different that's a different thing. You don't necessarily have to have full-on marketing chops to do that work. But a lot of these, I would imagine a lot of your clients are people that are you know, marketing specialists in, in one way or another, and they're turning to a company like yours to actually help generate leads. So why is it that you think that the, the agencies that are supposed to be, you know, media and marketing agencies, why are they struggling to generate leads? Uh, it's because there's, so there's a few reasons why. Most of them can't find a niche. So these marketing agencies, they say they do everything. And one of the things you just said is, hey, you do marketing for marketers. How many marketers can you talk to that actually have that target, like a target even that specific? Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. The other part of it is you get so distracted working with clients. Like we do the same thing at X27. I've got a full-time guy doing our marketing and I do our marketing. But besides that, we've got so many more resources towards our clients' marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a trap that agencies fall into. A lot of the times you, yeah. you have to hire a third party or else it just won't get done. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in the coaching space and he started to dabble in done-for-you services, like done-for-you marketing for his clients because obviously he was running up against what most coaching consultants run up against, which is you can tell people what to do to you're blue in the face. Most of the time they don't do it. And so there's that, I wouldn't say it's a natural progression, but it's definitely a temptation to get into the done-for-you services. And his idea was, well, if I build up the capacity to do this type of marketing for my clients... I'll be able to use the overage, the the excess labor, the, the like the remnant time to do marketing for me. And I've seen this happen. I've seen it happen in my old agency. It never works out. I, I don't know what your opinion is. And that's kind of what I like to hear because that's the idea. The idea is that if you have the capability in-house, naturally, you should be able to use it to market yourself. But it doesn't seem to work out that way. So I run marketing for ourselves. Or, so we run marketing for ourselves first. Robert is the CEO for that reason. So my co-founder, Robert, became the CEO and I became the chairman because my passion is making YouTube videos. My passion is Hmm. sending cold emails, like basically working as an artist to kind of tweak all of these marketing systems. And Robert's better at operations. So he's better at making sure we deliver for our clients. So part of it's finding that as well. Mm, Yeah, the the split in uh, like actually creating separate roles. So Yeah, so most of my day... Yeah. Most of my day, I just spent the last three hours filming YouTube videos for our channel while Robert spent the last three hours talking to our clients, making sure our sales managers were working, like doing all of that heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you can split it up that way, that which is exactly how I have my agency split up, that that to me, that works. Yeah. When you have the same people trying to like mentally split between marketing for the, for the clients, doing the work of marketing for clients, and then marketing for your own agency, to me, that's where it gets dicey. Like it just feels like, especially if you hire people that really care about the client, the client always ends up coming first. And then your it's marketing not, gets pushed down below that. And it's not even... Uh, it's not even marketing agencies. There's three parts of an agency, right? There's the production in general, which is like web design, web development, whatever that is. Then there's marketing and then there's sales. Mm-hmm. And I found you can really only do one of those three at, at a time. So if I'm doing YouTube videos and I'm talking to clients, my YouTube videos are not as good. If I'm just talking to clients, I'm crushing it when I'm talking to clients. I'm not too good at the production side, like management day to day, doing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's finding out which one of those three works for you, at least for us. 
Yeah, that's really good because it's it goes back to kind of what your your X factor, your superpower is. <laughs> what would you what would you consider as you? Because you're you're the artistic one. You want to be focused on the stuff that actually pushes the business forward and that's enjoyable to you. But where does that fit in with what your own kind of X factors are? So right now. Our strongest place as a company is cold email. And I'd say that's my strongest thing as well. So being able to identify what type of enterprise company an agency wants to go after, figure out how to package an agency service for that customer and then sell it to them. And so we booked meetings with uh, almost all of the Fortune 500 at this point. <laughs> Just like for, for different clients, yeah. Um, and then a bunch of huge companies. Uh, a lot of our clients go after billion dollar brands. Like we're not in the business of going after I would even say clients under 20 million in revenue, but that's, that's a really low ball estimate. Yeah. So that's our superpower is booking these meetings with these gigantic corporations. Okay. Well, I'm sure everybody's going to be curious about that. So what is, <laughs> what do you think is the skill set behind that that gives you the ability to write a cold email that actually gets some sort of a yes, even, even to get a red? Yeah, hundred percent. So the first thing is doing all of this work ahead of time so that you can jump all these other agencies. Because if you get in the, in the client's mindset, let's say you're like director of social media at Target, you're mm-hmm. getting cold emails constantly from a bunch of different people. So if somebody emails you and it's not a, an exact fit, they're not going to go wrong. Uh, we got it down to three variables for ways it can go right, which is basically as an, as an agency for each specific cold email campaign, uh, niche, target, and uh, offer are the three important things. So when you're going in to sell to somebody like, I, I said Target and the company's name is Target. So if you're going into uh, Target, you go out into the niche, you say, hey, I want to sell to large retail stores. That's mm-hmm. the niche you're into. Yeah. The title you want to sell to is social media managers at those large stores. And then the third thing, most important thing is coming up with an offer that your agency can actually sell them using cold email. The biggest mistake agencies make when it comes to marketing in general is saying that they do marketing and then listing like all of their services. Right. When what works for enterprise clients is looking at their job boards, looking at what they're actually hiring for or coming up with a pitch for them and then emailing them that. And we'll talk about what the scripts hmm. are too, if you want. Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's talk about the, when, when you say researching the job boards to understand what mm-hmm. they're looking for. So you're, you're talking about they're putting something out there into the world saying, hey, we're missing this function internally, so we want to hire a person to do it. The agency is coming along and saying, hey, don't hire a person, hire an agency to do this thing because we can do a better, lower cost and get you better results, right? So that's the straightforward way to do it. It's, um, I use that more for inspiration. So for instance, I figure if Target is hiring somebody to do social media for like specific campaigns and they have that laid out, then all the other major retail stores are most likely doing that. So Barnes uh, & Noble, uh you know, staples, whatever. So you take that initial piece of research and each one becomes a hypothesis. So then you Mm -hmm. think if I sell social media management or let's even get more specific. Mm -hmm. So I sell a Twitter campaign to target, uh, the social media manager at target. Then I figure I could also sell a Twitter campaign to the social media manager at staples and the social media manager here and here and here, Mm -hmm. uh, all within the same niche. And it's just pitching that, that Twitter campaign. It's not pitching that you do social media for everybody. It's literally just that one specific thing. And if they don't like that, then that's fine. Uh, Then you go back to the drawing board. Was it the offer that's wrong? Like they just don't want a Twitter campaign. Was it the title that's wrong? Social media managers don't hire agencies. Or was it the niche that's wrong? CPG or retail companies don't hire agencies. And then you're optimizing each one of those as you go. So you can find what the actual cold email campaign is that will grow your business substantially. Gotcha. That's smart. And then uh, what's, what's the goal of that initial email? Is it to get 
Is it to get a yes to receive another email? Is it literally just to get, is it like the first, do you look at it as like the first paragraph of a direct sales letter? The only goal is just to get them to keep reading uh, or are you looking for a yes to an appointment or something like that on that first email? We're going for a yes to an appointment. Really? Uh, and it is a yes or no. Uh, the, when somebody's super busy and you probably know if you're getting emails all the time, if there's no question at the end of the email or they take too long to get to whatever the question mm. is and the question can't be answered in like more than one or two words, mm. that email is either going to be deleted or marked unread to read later. Yep. For these super busy people, you want them to see your email and then Gmail has that autocomplete thing now. You just want them to hit the yes <laughs> and you can start the process <laughs> of getting to the next thing. So that's all we try to do with this initial you know. Yeah. No, that's kind of why I asked is that we figured out both in the guest booking, guest pitching process of just running podcasts uh, is that rather than going for an initial yes to being on a podcast, the yes that we were going for in the first email was, yes, you can send me more details. Mm-hmm. So rather than having a pitch email that was this long, it allowed us to cut our, cut our initial cold pitch email down to this. And all they have to say is, yep, yeah, all right, send me some more details. That's like, that's all we're looking for is the yes to that. Then the follow-up one is the one that closes to say, hey, here's the details you need to make a decision on whether you want to be on the show. Now is it yes or no to actually being on the show? Great. Then we work out the scheduling. So like we broke out what could have been, uh, like when we initially started it, it was one email. That initial, that that became two to three emails because all, all in a quest to find how can we make this just easy to say yes to. That's interesting because we went the exact opposite way. So we booked a bunch of my heroes on our podcast and our email is basically like, uh, I have Ronaldo who's my assistant reach out. He's like, Hey, uh, whoever, Alex is a huge fan of yours, especially what you did with whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then it's like um, our podcast, we've had guests like, and then we list like 10 guests and they're all customized to be similar. Well, they're name drops, but they're name drops similar to the industry. So for instance, we just had a Broadway producer. Uh, He's got four active shows on Broadway right now. So everyone that we were calling out were entertainment people. Yep. We've had uh, Steli FD and like Keaton Shaw and like some of these big business guys on. So for them, we only call out business people. And yep. we also change it. Like we were talking about Victor Antonio. He's a sales mm-hmm. guy. But yep. when we use his name for entertainment people, we call him the host of a show on Spike TV. When yep. we email people like Will Barron or like Salesman Podcast, we call him a YouTube uh, sales guy with over 100,000 subs. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> so all of it is there. Guy and name drop. Yeah ways. Yeah. Well, it's the same way you market yourself, right? Like you can run a resume a million different ways. You can do that for other people too. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's hilarious. And I've never thought about dropping a list of 10 names. I might actually try and test that out. Uh, we drop them usually in just two or three, uh, and then explain kind of why. So we, we've dabbled a little bit in that, but usually it's very, very like hyper targeted. I've never dropped like a list of five or 10 people. Well, they are hyper targeted though, because oh, if no, you, I know. if you list five or, or list, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So no, I, I get usually that. it's just getting people like it's, it's yes. punching them in the face with the amount of people you've had. And then sometimes people say yes to that. We have a decently high conversion rate of some like pretty impressive people, at least impressive yeah. to me. I've been learning a lot. On oh the yeah. Like, no, you've had some <laughs> awesome guests on your show. Uh, so that, yeah, I don't doubt that it works. It's awesome. Uh, it, it is funny though. That that's the, one of the key dynamics to making that, uh, that cold email work. So how does that, um, like, did that carry over into when you build a pitch email for a, for an agency? Do you use that same type of like name dropping technique? Does that work? So that doesn't, we haven't actually tried that. It's a good idea to try that. Um, because when you call out a case study, it's the same thing. Like traditional wisdom is any case study you put in an email has to be extremely relevant to them. Mm-hmm. And 
in a real in the real world agencies will maybe have like one university they've worked with if we're pitching universities right or like one agency we work with has worked with facebook and then there's some other startups but you don't know what the other three startups are so it's not even worth putting them in there yeah uh, so and that no, we just usually have one. your niche like is it really zeroing on your yeah so the more you're able to zero in on your niche the more you can send case studies that are actually relevant which yeah that, and that it's not sense. niche marketing in the traditional sense like you don't have to pivot your entire business to only sell to, to tech startups but yeah. for that specific email campaign like one thing that's killing right now is we've got this one company that did a case study or it wasn't a case study it was like the uh product manual for like so, something at 7-Eleven, like some kind of display at 7-Eleven. So now we're sending all of the other stores like that, all the other convenience stores, that product manual and saying, hey, do you want to do similar for your products? Right. And that's like a three sentence email. <laughs> like, you don't have to go too crazy with it to get some meetings. I like it. So, uh, so when you work with somebody like that, what's, what's the biggest obstacle? Because here's, here's what I'm guessing happens from, from the people that I've talked to, which is we, we don't want to restrict we don't want to, you know, what if there were other opportunities for marketing at that firm and we're, we're pitching them only, why would we only pitch them one thing? Why not pitch them the five or 10 things that we can do, which is all fear. It's all, it's all a scarcity mindset. So when you work with somebody and your, your mission is to get them to essentially give you permission to do what you know works, how do you get them to get over that fear and let you do what you know works? So we take the mindset that we're not an agency, right? We're, we're actually coming in as a member of your team. So if you were to hire us as a CMO, like we were just some random guy on the street, you wouldn't expect results in the first three months. You wouldn't even really expect results in the first like nine months. Hmm. So we tell them that we're going to be experimenting and trying all this stuff, but you got to take a long-term view, even as much as like a two or three year view and yeah. know that at the end of two or three years, your company is going to be unrecognizable from the, from the way that it is now. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't work if you're measuring us weekly. It doesn't really even work if you're measuring us you know, monthly or even every two or three months. Like we'll show progress every month on these little tests, yeah. but in the, like it, it really is a long-term view. Uh, what you're saying about missed opportunities, it comes into play right there too. Let's say you pitch 7-Eleven on product manuals and they don't want it, right? They wanted something else that they don't even know they want. Well, if they didn't reply to the email in two or three months, you're going to pitch them on something else, right? Mm. Assuming those three variables all failed and no other convenience store wanted product manuals either, mm -hmm. you're going to go back and you're going to try another target. Picking a niche, mm. it's similar. I, I like the job, uh, the applying for job strategy or whatever that is, metaphor better, because yeah. it's like if you say you want to be an account manager at a company, that doesn't mean you're going to be an account manager for the rest of your life. Just like if you want to sell product man or just like if you want to sell product manuals to 7-Eleven, that doesn't that doesn't mean you have to sell product manuals for the rest of your life. That's just this one marketing campaign. Let's see if it works. Uh, that's that's true. I, I see that uh, I see that dynamic show up in relationships when you when you look at the other person. You're like, wait a minute, I'm going to be spending the rest of my life with you. I don't know. I I don't know about that. Like all the niggly things you do that annoy me are a much bigger deal when you start staring down the barrel of spending the rest of your life with someone. Uh, yeah, I'm the exact opposite. Any girl I'm with for more than like three months, I'm going to want to marry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just try to deal with it later. You, 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 know, and, I, you and I are the up. opposite of each other. <laughs> three months is usually like, I'm all right, I'm, I'm out. Oh, that's hilarious. So uh, the, this whole, like the CMO role, right? So, so you're working with... Um, with an agency and, and, and I'd like to give me your perspective on it from like even the clients that they sell to like the, the bigger companies here. Here's the struggle that I see is as soon as you hire, like it sounds great to hire an agency to help you implement 
X, whatever that is. So a company will hire like a social media marketing agency, then they'll hire a PR firm, then they hire something else. And all of a sudden they've given themselves a full-time job of managing agencies. And, and I'm, like this happens at the entrepreneur level, like the individual coach or consultant will hire like a vendor to do one thing. And then they'll have like an Instagram girl and then they'll have something else. And all of a sudden they have to spend all this time managing. And I think there, there's a definitely a hidden cost there. And there's a lot of time and resources that go into that. Um, but the struggle I think that they a lot of times run into is getting all those people, those other people that are involved in the process. How do you keep your messaging consistent how do you keep your niche consistent? How do you how do you like get that like and express that through vendors and through agencies like yours? Because you're doing some of the marketing for your clients, but your clients should, or at least they should know what their point of view is better than you know it. So what do you wish the clients would do better to help you, you know, like a vendor like you or a vendor like me do our job in a way that actually keeps the message and the point of view of the client consistent? So I would push so there's there's two sides to that question, right? Because okay. from an agency point of view. I want to be a pirate crew, right? Like I want to be doing whatever we want without talking to the client at all and having them right. trust that we know what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, that very rarely happens. And it actually leads to a bunch of problems sometimes with big agencies where they have a director of marketing that's in charge of a bunch of stuff that wants to edit our cold emails. <laughs> and hundred percent of the time, I've never had a client write a cold email that's worked really better than, well, at least better than ours, well, but usually, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. That's funny. I, I don't think I can think of one that's actually worked at all, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so from that point of view, what we've set up internally is we say, trust us, which <laughs> I know is hard, yeah. but you can have all the input you want on the email script, right? Like give us as much info as you want, but when it comes time to hit send, if our outreach managers don't believe in what we're about to send, we're going to make changes to it and send it out. And yeah. then we'll apologize if we say something really weird, but yeah, it's, it's, mo it's mostly a game of apologies. <laughs> in the long run, it's going to work out. We've done this, you know, we've generated $100 million in leads. Like, we kind of know what yeah. we're doing. And yeah. if you don't trust that, you know, but what are you going to do? But that's one side of it. That's from, that's from the agency point of view, like our point of view. Mm -hmm. yeah. From the client point of view, and this is a huge issue, one that I haven't really solved, there's no way to know if the agency that you hire is good. There's, you can talk to past clients. You can look at case studies. You can even talk to like other sales guys. You can try to even go stealthily into the company. There's, there's no provable way that I've found to make sure the agency you hire is actually going to be good yeah. unless you're working with them. Yeah. And that's a problem that I, I don't know if there's a solution to that either. No, it's something that, uh, that I came across that concept in a book here last year, I think. It's called Managing the Professional Service Firm. And that was one of the things that he said in there is that clients don't know if you're actually really technically good at what you claim to do, because they, if they had the technical knowledge to know, they wouldn't need to hire you. So I'm like, okay, that got it. That makes sense. It's like, so how do they judge you? Most of the time they judge you by the experience of communicating with yeah, us. Yeah, it's, the, it's the sales. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, well, it's the sales and the client communication after the mm -hmm. fact. It's the, it's, it's the communication on both sides. And yeah, like it, it's, if they haven't hired us yet, it absolutely is the sales communications, the communication during the sales process. Uh, and that is, that is the way that they gauge whether we're good at what we do. The problem is those are usually two different skill sets. The ability to communicate, especially on the sales side. Now, for you guys, it might be a little bit different because maybe the way that you're meeting your clients it's, is it's not what you're pitching. It's not different because, yes, the way we're meeting our clients is what we're pitching. But mm -hmm. 
that's not going to keep us in more than like, well, it's not going to keep us in more than two or three weeks. Like if we, if we're hiring a, we're hiring a client marketing manager right now and we've got a sales guy that does all our sales because the biggest issue, um, and we actually just let go of our current account manager because he wasn't doing this effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest issue that we were running into is on these client calls, if we're not constantly saying trust us or citing case studies for why the campaign's like going mm-hmm. down, which it will go, to, like you're not going to see any results for at least 45 days. I'm saying like six or seven months now of these kind of meetings. Yeah. Like you'll see little spikes or little results before the gigantic win. Yeah. Uh, you need someone who can actually show them the data and talk them into continuing. Right. Like the, contra- the contract's not enough at that point. And actually, yeah. I'd say the vast yeah. majority of our clients that work with us and fail, it's, it's because they bail at like six or seven months when if they had just kept working with us for like two or three more months, they would have seen a yeah. positive ROI. And it, and it all kind of comes at the same time. Yeah. Well, why do you think that is? Is that uh, is it a byproduct of the experiments and finding yeah. out what works? Okay. So it's the, it's the testing process. So it's like in month one, let's say we're targeting CPG and we're targeting like a random case study that they have. They mm-hmm. might not be like CPG might not be buying right then, or right. even if they are, even if they are, a cold email from an agency is still going to be a six month sales process from contact to close. Yeah. So if you judge us by revenue. Even then, even if everything goes well in the first like week, mm-hmm. it's still going to be three to six months before deals close. Yeah, it's yeah. just and and it's and it's taking that realistically, right? That's a hard sale. Yeah. We've had clients walk away and go to other marketing companies because of that. And I check up with them sometimes. Like it's it's that's the reality of it. If yeah. our, if your marketing agency is not being honest about it, you're just setting yourself up like you're believing a lie. <laughs> Yeah, I 100% believe that. Um, so what's what's been the toughest, uh, you know, you talk about having to let somebody go and you're in the middle of hiring someone new. Uh, what's what's the toughest hiring challenge? What's, what's Well, let's put it this way. What's the toughest people challenge that you run into in your agency? Sure. So in our agency right now, the toughest challenge has been, uh, right now it's been the the checking of, of the work. So basically our operations manager has all of these processes in place mm-hmm. and yet consistently we'll check the inbox. And it's like the first, like, well, so most of the time we'll catch it before it goes out, but it's like the first lines won't be written or like they're not following the process fully. Yeah. And so that's why we, we realized we need to hire like a really process intense guy. But mm-hmm. I just think that's so interesting. It doesn't matter how well you write this process down or how much mastery you have. Like if I'm on a client call or I'm running the strategy for a client, it's amazing. If I even let my, my foot off the gas for like a week and I don't do one-on-ones with our team for a week, it starts going down again. <laughs> and that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm having issues with right now. So, so a buddy of mine that runs the agency that I came out of, um, he talks about the fact that people's performance will go like this. Mm-hmm. So just gradually declines. And he says, my job, he's like, my entire job right now, because it's all systematized and he runs it remotely and all this stuff, right? So like, my entire job is just to come along and go boop and then just boop and keep not, like knocking it up, meetings, you know, uh, revising the systems, refining the systems, you know, occasionally letting somebody go that, that's toxic and stuff like that. But you're absolutely right. Like it's, it's all we do as the owner of an agency or like a, like a coaching consulting business is we fight entropy if there's other people involved just yeah. constantly fighting the natural disorder, laziness, slacking off. Um, and it's, it, it's tough because a lot of times they're good people. And so we lull us, ourselves into believing that's not happening, but it absolutely is happening. 
Yeah, and I do these weekly one-on-ones with our team now. Our entire cold email team meets with, meets with me once a week. That's not the ideal situation at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I did like three months off where I wasn't meeting with them at all. And I met with one of our guys and he's like, man, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you started meeting with us. I was about to quit. Like I wasn't learning a thing here. Like there, there was nothing going on. And then like once the meeting started now, like, yeah, like you were saying, the entropy got, you know, removed and now, yeah. now he's working again. But it is like a constant, a constant bump. Yeah. Um, Hmm, that's yeah. crazy. That's so, actually one of the big issues of working with other agencies is that if I'm not extremely open about that, like most of our agency clients come and they're like, hey, Alex probably has this whole agency thing figured out. I'm like, no, you know what I figured out is how to book meetings with Fortune 500 clients. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you've been running your agency for 20 years, you probably yeah. know more about running an agency than I do. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm open to learning all this stuff. Well, and that, that's an interesting statement though, because I think we way, way, way underestimate and a lot of people in the operations underestimate that it's really just one core skill a lot of times that drives the business and you can build an entire business around it, but you cannot kill the, the goose that lays the golden egg. And for you guys, you, like you know exactly what that is and you actually built your agency around it. In other agencies, it's a little bit less obvious because maybe the strength of the, of the person that started it is their ability to make it rain, but that doesn't have anything to do with the websites they build. So the staff, they, the staff thinks that the reason we're successful is because we build these super awesome websites. Like, no, no, it's that one guy's ability to go out and get business. That's what drives the agency. All the other stuff is just operations. And the average person who shows up to an office every day and just does work, they'll never understand that. I, they, they may come to understand it if they go out on their own and try to try to do a business. But well, you'd be surprised. I mean, you probably know this, but it's like agencies will get to like 10 million in revenue and then you'll look at their work and it won't be consistent at all. Like maybe one out of three clients will have, will be great. Like I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a couple specific agencies right now Yeah, where like I could think of these failed projects and it's like, I don't know, man, I don't know what the easy fix is unless you're taking a long-term view and you're hiring real artists, which is what we're doing now. But is it's it, like, even, even that, is that going to work? Who knows? <laughs> uh, it's a good question. So what do you mean by hiring? What do you mean by hiring real artists, especially so, in the context of your guys? Yeah. So with cold email, what we're trying to do is separate our outreach managers as much as possible from the client conversations, the negative client conversations. So our outreach managers need, we're in a tough situation because our outreach managers need to talk to our clients to understand the business. But what they don't need is being yelled at when our projects aren't working. So now we're in this situation where I'm trying to keep our outreach managers away from the negative while still letting them interact with clients because that closeness with the client is what leads to project success. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you need somebody that is skilled at essentially buying time and being a shield between the negative feedback, which is going to come in the months leading up to the, when the experiment all of a sudden hits and you get the results that you're looking for. Well, it's predictable at this point. And it's not like, like any marketing agency that, that listens to this, that doesn't, maybe if they don't sell PPC, but even if they do look at your clients, you know, like, especially if you're selling agency. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because you can't, unfortunately for those that are selling PPC leads, you can't sell you often can't install the lead conversion process it takes to actually make that successful. Uh, and man, that's, that's the danger of taking on clients that don't have the right processes in place before you show up. Because even if you do something where it's literally like you turning on a faucet, unless they have the right bucket to catch it, it all goes out the bottom and guess who gets blamed? Yeah, we found that too. Even if cold email campaigns are successful, if we don't run the sales too, a lot of the times they'll get leads or they'll get meetings with huge companies, billion dollar companies, and yeah. it just won't go anywhere. Yeah. What, what do you think is the re what, when they show up to the meeting and they're not prepped by you guys or you guys don't handle the sales, what happens that they end up losing the deal? Uh, so a lot of agencies when they're in the, in the meetings, they sit down and they run through this slide deck 
the 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 slide deck. I, I, I wish there was the a magical, name for it. The magical, the magical slide forty-five deck. minute slide deck presentation. Okay. Uh, instead, the way that we structure calls is I'll do maybe 45, 50 seconds about X27 and how we're founded. Like I was director of marketing with this other agency. Mm-hmm. I have hired a bunch of marketing companies in the past. And like, I know what all of those issues are. Like none of them were able to make it work. So that's why we okay. decided to go in and, and make this happen. So like basically I have a whole pitch yeah. and I'll only do like 50 seconds of that before I start talking about their issues. Like we yeah. basically go into, it's, it's not a sales call. It's more of a, like the way a doctor would diagnose a patient. So like, yeah. what have you tried with marketing in the past? What have you done here? What have you done here? And if that comes from a place of having done research as well, you're in. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. mobile and web, it's the same way. Uh, when I used to sell websites, I was selling like, you know, two, $300,000 websites uh, in, in my agency before. Um, and even there, it's like, if you walk into a client and you know the two or three things they've tried in the past, like their website doesn't suck on purpose. If you know, if you know or have a guess for why it sucks, and it's not, it's because the font's too small, right? If it's not something like that, yeah. then they're then they're going to listen and they're going to buy. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the the world that I come out of more in the coaching and consulting, I think people have an easier time of doing more of a diagnostic pitch. What what they also struggle with though is what you mentioned. Which when you're giving those first few, like let's say 60 seconds about your agency, what you're doing in those 60 seconds is you're setting up the point of view and the reason why you guys do what you do. And you're also telling them kind of what you're, what you're good at. So then you, you, then you go through like the diagnostic process, but they're already set up to understand when you prescribe, when you shift from diagnosing to, hey, we've got, we've got a prescription, mm-hmm. it ties in with the point of view that they already know. And you didn't bore them by spending 10 minutes about the history of the agency that, that clouds all of it up. Uh, and so I think it's really, really important for all of us to, I, I was literally just reading this and you might know the guy I'm talking about. Do you remember the book, Your Marketing Sucks by Mark Stevens? No. He's the founder of MSCO. It's an agency in New York City. Phenomenal book. I just ran across it here the other day. And he said that, all, look, all of our marketing has to be able to be distilled into a single sentence. And that was like just a really good reminder to anyone that sells creative work that one of the most horrible things we can do is just say, we do it all. Here's the laundry list of things we do. That's, I mean, we're just sabotaging ourselves. Um, and a lot of us do it. And if we can get it down to where we can describe in one sentence, and he gave a great example, they prepped one of their clients and they had a big pitch essentially. And the guy was 30 minutes late for the pitch, comes, sits down. He's like, I've got five minutes. Sell me on why you should hire your company because they were pitched because they were prepped by his firm on exactly that one sentence. That, that spelled out the niche and exactly what the offer was. That's all they did. That's all they said. They just gave the one sentence. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm listening. They met for two hours. They won the job. It's if you cus- well, if you customize that sentence as well per client, yeah, maybe exactly. you're, not sen- you're not even saying the same sentence to every client. Yeah. And if, if you're hitting the variables correctly, like, yeah, it's the exact same thing. That's yeah, really interesting. It. Um, yeah, so it's a good book. Huh. Anyway, the, uh, the other part of it though, it's not just that point of view, it's every mm-hmm. answer. So it's, we're asking questions to actually figure out what's going on first of all, yeah. but then every answer that they give, we can answer with a case study. So let's mm-hmm. say like, um, we, we, we might say something like what marketing have you tried in the past? And then they'll say, Oh, we hired a PPC vendor, but it didn't work out. Like we spent a bunch of money and it, it didn't turn in anything. And then we could say something like, yeah, we've seen the same thing. And actually uh, it's incredibly hard for agencies to gain new leads with pay-per-click because of you know, the three variables that we talked about before. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're selling a super specific offering, like the same issues that'll destroy a cold email campaign will also destroy a pay-per-click campaign. Surprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I'll, I'll say stuff like that. And then I'll, I might even mention like another client that we had. So it, yeah. is, it is selling, but it's selling in those very short bursts as answers or as revelations mm. to their uh, answers. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. Well, cool, man. Well, we could go all day on this. Um, how do people learn more about Experiment 27 and what you guys do? And who, who's the ideal client? Like, who's the ideal person that when you come, when they show up on your door, you're like, oh my God, please work with me. I know I can help you. Just give me the money. Trust us and let us do our thing. So the ideal client for us is any agency, let's say you have over 1.5 million in revenue and you've already worked with at least one enterprise client. So Mm -hmm. like Pepsi or whatever it is, like everyone's probably got their one client that they're going for. Uh, That, and then you also got to be willing to take a long-term view, which I know is incredibly tough from an agency when you're trying to make it month to month, just making payroll. So those are the two things. Gotcha. Very, very cool. And then how how do they connect? Where do they go to learn more about you? Sure. So we've got a ton of free videos on b2bsalestraining.org. That'll go to a playlist of our most helpful YouTube videos, super in-depth tutorials on everything that we do. Uh, we try not to hold anything back at all. Yeah. And then if you want to work with us, you want more enterprise clients for your agency, you can head over to experiment27.com. Very cool. Well, yeah, speaking of like not holding anything back, I mean, you, you probably know and agree with this already if that's your approach. The information is not the problem. It's the, it's the execution of the information. And then you mentioned the customization, like customizing it to someone's specific situation. Like that's where the real value is. That's the difference between working with an agency versus working with a coach who will tell you what to do. And then it's your responsibility to go do it, right? So you see it with coaches too. The ones that make the most money mm-hmm. give away all their, like they have proprietary systems and they give it away on their site. Or like right. you'll see at least the highlights of everything they do. You'll see their mm-hmm. whole process. Yeah. And the coaches that don't do well give like three cliche pieces of advice and then say the other, like the real valuable stuff is, is for pay. Right. Yeah. It doesn't work. Well, cause you it, can't it really tell again, cause people can't tell how good you are. Well, I flipped the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I flipped it the other way around. Cause I'm like, I can tell you exactly our research process. I can tell you exactly what clients to go after. But when it comes down to you sitting at a desk and actually sending the hundred emails or even just having it all written and then fearing right. pressing send. Yeah. Like that's, that's my value. I'll be there to, to tell you to hit send. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you said, no, no client has written a cold email that's even done well, let alone outperform what you do. Uh, and so, yeah, it speaks to that. The fact that you can have all the information, you can have all the knowledge. And when it gets down to the execution part, still not be able to pull it off. And that's the value of hiring somebody like you guys. You could either be frustrated by it or you could live with it. Right? Yeah. Like I see myself as a teacher, but I feel like most of my students would have like D's or F's. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. <laughs> that may be true. Well, we're not all, yeah, to me, that's the difference between coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. Consulting is where you get paid to tell somebody what their best course of action is. Mm-hmm. Coaches are the ones that are theoretically at least supposed to not only tell you what to do, but also make sure that you do it. And that's a whole other thing. Like that's, more power to them. Well, I think uh, it's, lo- it's large numbers too. So like if people pay me for a consult, I charge a couple hundred bucks, whatever it is for an hour, mm-hmm. I'll rewrite their entire email campaigns. And then I, I think even then it's maybe 60% of people will get back and say, hey, I sent the emails. Mm-hmm. One, hey, I actually sent the emails we wrote. And then the ones yeah. that do are successful because we wrote an email together. Like obviously it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like half of it is even getting them to, to put in like the little bit of work necessary to get to the end goal. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. 
Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. Uh, That is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.